Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Happy Tuesday to one and all. Welcome into the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and we've got a great show as Sean Cirillo of the Action Network is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be talking to him about what he's seen in baseball so far, how he's been changing his approach on totals and everything like that. And then in the final segment, Sean is going to be sticking with me. We're just going to talk about teams that we expect to ascend and decline in the second half. Teams that are in the NL that have a lot of intrigue as you've got a big giant middle with so many teams between 41 and 48 wins. So sort of our expectations there. And we're both going to be breaking down the All-Star game. I am going to not be having a play on this one personally. I'm going to be giving you guys a couple leans while I talk to Sean about it. It's just one of those things where it's an exhibition game. I do feel like this is a little bit of a coin toss, but we both do have a little bit of an angle I think is really worth looking at with regards to the All-Star game, but this is typically the time of the show where I answer all the Twitter questions that you guys have for me and you can always fire those in at GNRS41, and I've had this one from so many people, so I'm not going to play the sounder. I'm not going to give any specific handle, but I know a lot of you guys asked me this one. This was really the only question that I got today. What do I do during the All-Star break? Because obviously there's a couple days off. I'm not going, I wasn't betting the home run derby. I'm not going to be betting the All-Star game tonight. So obviously I have a couple days off to recalibrate and everything like that. What do I do in that time? 
For one, I drink some Bud Light Platinum. That is a beer of choice in the Greg Peterson household. But what I also do is I just take a look back at some of the bets I made over the first half of the year. And I try to take a look at some splits and I just try to improve. I'm looking a lot at starting pitchers and sort of their fly ball rate compared to their ground ball rate. I'm taking a look at different ballparks and their factors because as we know, Different ballparks have been playing very differently this year with regards to these totals. We've noticed that Coors Field has been very much an over ballpark. It seems like things have not been as affected in Globe Life Park, though, because we saw the totals right around 10.5-ish, 11-ish last year, and they're right there this year as well. And we've noticed that the Pittsburgh Pirates are now playing 71% of their games to the over, so it's all about adjusting to that, just breaking down the numbers, trying to become a better handicapper, and just looking at... Guys that might be dealt at the deadline as well. Teams that might be buyers, teams that might be sellers. Because as we know, the MLB trade deadline is going to be coming up very fast. About two and a half to three weeks after the real play gets resumed on Friday. So that is something that is a big angle trying to anticipate that and trying to see where the value is going to be on the market when that happens because you always want to be right on time whenever there is a little bit of shift. When you're a bet behind, that means that it's a losing bet. If you're a couple bets too early, like we're all hearing regression for X pitcher. It's been Mike Miner typically, but we're hearing regression for so many things. If you are betting on regression and you keep losing, well, those are just units that are being wasted while you wait for that regression as well. So it's just all about trying to get that timing down, trying to look at things that might cool down a little bit as well. We noticed some teams towards the final days before the All-Star break really starting to cool down. The LA Dodgers wound up losing three straight games at home. They were winning nearly 75% of their games at home. The Minnesota Twins seemed to be in a little bit of an offensive rut, and the reason why the Dodgers were losing a lot of those games at home is because they were going into a little bit of a offensive swoon as well. We saw the Seattle Mariners play a lot of unders before the All-Star break. I know that the Sunday before was obviously a little bit of an exception, but it's all about being able to take a look at some of those things, and you also want to take a look a little bit at the minor leagues as well, because we know that September call-ups are going to be coming around in about a month and a half. Obviously, it's still a ways off, but I've been taking a little bit of time to review some of these guys that are at the AAA level that I think are going to be seeing a little bit of time in September as well, and just trying to be able to break that down because typically when you're going into the day-in, day-out grind, you really don't have time to be able to do that ancillary research, being able to get a little bit of a look ahead, and that's a lot of what I'm doing as well. And as you guys know, I'm also a college basketball handicapper as well. I do the podcast College Hoops Overtime Betting. I've been spending a little bit of time looking at some of those conferences and getting ready for the season in college basketball as well. So that is what I am doing in this all-star break time period, just doing some advanced research, trying to be able to prepare for what's going to be coming in the future days, and doing a little bit of college basketball as well. So there's your answer. And then, obviously, we did not have any games yesterday, but we did have the home run derby, and it was an interesting one. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. Ladies and gentlemen, the Mets do get a title, as it is Pete Alonzo. He takes down the title over Vlad Guerrero Jr. with 23 home runs in the final round. And it was an interesting ride in general for him. He had to get by Carlos Santana in the first round. That was very, very action-packed. Ronald Acuna Jr. took down Josh Bell to face off against Pete Alonso in that semifinal. And Pete Alonso was able to knock him off while Ronald Acuna Jr. was blowing bubbles for Vlad Guerrero Jr. He and Jock Peterson really went at it. I believe that they went to bonus time and 
In the first round, it was Vlad Guerrero just absolutely destroying Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman did not have a shot in that one, and Jock Peterson knocked off Alex Bregman to get there, but all in all, I thought it was a lot of fun. Once again, this is just something that I didn't want to bet on just because it did feel like a little bit of a crapshoot. I know that there were people coming at me saying that there might have been some in-game opportunities and things like that. It's just one of those things where even I recognize being a guy that plays a side in total in every single baseball game that there's just sometimes where you can pass if you don't feel like there's really an edge. I just had no handle on the home run derby, so I set it out. And I always give out a side in total, like I say, in all these games. But if you don't have a handle on a game, you don't have to feel obligated to bet it. Just because I do doesn't mean that you have to as well. So it's just one of those things where I decided to sit this one out. Obviously, it's a lot of fun. I like the All-Star Weekend in general for baseball. I guess it's an actual week, not a weekend, but... It's just one of those things that I thought it was a lot of fun. I just casually sat back and watched it as a fan. Now the big question becomes, will Pete Alonzo, will Ronald Acuna Jr., will these guys have a little bit of a cool down after participating in the All-Star game? It is one of those things that is very, very mixed. I'm going to be looking into it the next couple of days myself because I know that Prince Fielder of the Milwaukee Brewers wanted a couple times. He didn't seem to really cool down. I remember Bobby Abreu was absolutely awful. Now, this is several years ago. Obviously, this isn't probably going to pertain to the 2019 players, but it is one of those things I do think is worth looking at. So, good on Pete Alonso for bringing something back to New York, and good on Sean Zarrillo for joining the podcast. He does tremendous work for the Action Network. We're going to be talking to him the next two segments just about what he expects to see in the second half of the baseball season, what he's sort of looking at, how he's adjusting totals, and a little bit on tonight's All-Star game and how to bet it. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. Here on MLB Overtime Betting, Greg Peterson coming at you from the Zuni Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. We've had this gentleman on the podcast a few times, and he does terrific work for the Action Network. He is a great contributor for them. He also does a little bit with Razzball and Baseball HQ as well. He gets into the data and analytics of baseball. He's also a practicing lawyer as well. So this man has many different talents. He is smarter than I, and that's why we've got him on the podcast. His name is Sean Zarillo, and you can follow him on Twitter at Sean Zarillo, all one word. That is S-E-A-N-Z-E-R-I-L-L-O. And Sean, how are you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate the intro as always. I always appreciate you joining me as well, and unfortunately... Well, we don't have any games today, aside from the All-Star game in general, but we have seen a lot of baseball over the first half of the year. We've seen some surprises. We've seen some teams rise. We've seen some teams fall. I do think that the American League has a little bit of intrigue now with that second wildcard spot, though. I think we will both agree the Oakland A's had one of the hottest ends to the first half of the year of any team. This is a squad that has really been beating up on left-handed pitching, and they did so very much so in their last couple games. Do you think that there might be a lot of value on the Oakland A's moving forward whenever they are facing left-handers? Because what I noticed with the A's is that they're hitting right around fifth in the league in regards to batting average whenever they're facing off against left-handed pitching. Meanwhile, whenever they face righties, they're in the bottom half of the league. Yeah, uh, that's certainly something I've been targeting since the beginning of the year. They also beat up on lefties last year. I believe on the money line this year, there's something close to 20-7 and uh, against lefties straight up. So I've shown value on teams when they have a lefty going against Oakland. And I think it's just because people are 
pouncing on that split, taking advantage of it immediately. So it might just be something that I'll add against any value that pops up in my book or continue to not take it if there's a lefty starter going against Oakland. It's one of those things where I do think that some of these splits are really unique. And I've been noticing that home and road splits with some of these teams have been very interesting as well. The Texas Rangers have been terrific at home, winning over 60% of their games on the road under 40%. And we know this about the Chicago Cubs. They're right now, I believe, 19 and 27 on the road. Might be something like 19 and 28, but they're in that neighborhood. And that at home, they're winning nearly 63, 64% of their games. We know that the Dodgers got swept in their last series of the regular season against the San Diego Padres at home, but they have been very dominant at home as well. Is this something that you've been taking a look at as well? Because I feel like there are a lot of teams that they're pretty equal home to road, but you've got a couple teams that are massive outliers. So I don't really dive into home road splits as much as I do for handedness splits. That being said, the first two teams that you mentioned, Texas and Chicago, play in environments that I think lend itself to maybe being able to take advantage of it if you are more familiar with it. So the Cubs obviously have the wind in versus wind out thing going on at Wrigley Field. And I think on days where there's more wind blowing out, there's a possibility where those guys, you know, know how to target getting the ball in the air a little bit more and letting it carry out to the the outfield and over the Ivy. And with Texas in general, you're going to get a lot of high scoring games and and higher totals. And that just lends itself to more variance and potential for an underdog to stay in a higher scoring affair. So with the way their team is built, you know, they have two good starters and a really good lineup, especially one that crushes right-handed pitching, not as good against left-handed pitching, but they have, they have a bunch of really strong lefties in that lineup. And I think it's just a, a product of their environment and their ability to get in high scoring games. I do agree with you as we have Sean Zarillo of the Action Network joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And I don't think that many people would guess this, but everyone's talking about the overs with the Seattle Mariners and how just crazy the Coors field overs have been so far this year. But hitting at a clip over 70% have been overs in Pittsburgh, 29, 12, and 2 at the All-Star break. I think this is really unique because when we take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, They've obviously got Josh Bell. He has been just hitting the ball out of the yard. But with the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's not necessarily the fact that they've got home run hitters. They just have a bunch of guys hitting above 300 guys like Brian Reynolds. Kevin Newman has been doing a terrific job for this team. The list goes on and on. Do you think that this is something that could be regressing a little bit? Because I just think that it's so hard for something like this to be continuing to hit at a 70% clip for the year. Yeah, so when the total is 10 or more this year, the overs won 56% of the time. If you just blindly bet $100 on that every time, you'd be up close to 24 units. So high total games have been pretty indicative of expectations, you know, in terms of where the book's been setting them. But I, I noticed in particular at Coors Field, unders have been profitable in the past and overs have obviously been crushing there this year. But the margin of victory is what's really noticeable. I think that previously, even just betting the unders blindly, even though it had been a profitable strategy, it was pretty much close to an even margin. I think it was actually, there were slightly more runs scored than the totals would project for. But, you know, obviously, if some games go or a bunch of games go 1-0, that's going to even out over time. But this year, the overs are sailing over the total by, I believe, 1.75 runs or 1.8 runs at Coors Field. So, I think you can't just look at the, the rate that bets are hitting, but how much it's covering by. I think that's pretty indicative of the market and how far off it's by. So I think just nobody really knows how to adjust for this ball. Everybody's expecting regression and expecting, you know, stuff to normalize. The Pirates have 
great offense like you're talking about. And it's kind of weird, like I was talking about before, looking at park splits because it's so team dependent. So the Pirates are, you know, naturally going to be a team that's scored a lot of overs in their games this year. But PNC Park, if you look at the splits for there, it's going to show the same thing. So that's overlap that you have to be mindful of and not, you know, double count that essentially. But yeah, it's something that you really need to not just look at surface stats and say that this team's going to regress or this guy's going to regress because he is an inflated Babbitt. You need to look at what goes into that hard hit rate, you know, expected batting average metrics and, and kind of take a full encompass view of why teams are arriving at the results and not just looking at the results and expecting regression. I think that that's a terrific point that you make as we have Sean's role joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Does terrific work for the Action Network. And we're going to be picking up this conversation after the break. We're going to get into a little bit of tonight's All-Star Game. We're going to continue to talk about things that we expect in the second half of the year as well. And that's coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. Here on MLB Overtime Betting, Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azuni Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. And Sean's role of the Action Network, kind enough to stick with me. And you were talking a little bit about regression and everything like that. Is there something that you are looking at with regards to regression for some of these pitchers as well? Because all I've been hearing all year long is my regression's coming in for Mike Minor. Regression's going to be coming in for Andrew Kashner. And yet these guys just continue to cash time and time again. It's one of those things where I need to see it actually happen once or twice before I jump off the bandwagon because these things have just been so profitable that even if you do lose a bet or two, you're still up over the long term. No, I don't know if there's anything in particular, any player in particular that I'm looking to target for or against. It's a very fluid situation. It's dependent game upon game. Minor was somebody that I went against, I believe, with the the Angels last week, purely because they're a team that avoids the strikeout and they can throw out a bunch of right-handed hitters as well. So it just didn't seem like a great matchup for him on paper with his need to generally get that strikeout with runners on base sometimes to get out of an inning. So, you know, it's it's a very fluid situation, but I, I think just generally I need to stay open on players that, you know, I, I might have closed the door on previously. Looking at Lucas Giolito and how profitable he's been this year, Hitters like Tommy LaStella, Scooter Jeanette, you know, Derek Dietrich last year. There's guys that you could write off, but you need to look at rolling metrics and see how guys change. It, it doesn't necessarily happen over the offseason. It might happen over the last few months of the season, you know, late July, August, September, where they make adjustments and then carry it into the next year. So just kind of keep your mind open. These guys aren't static. They do change and they make adjustments. And sometimes it could be an overnight thing that unlocks in August and surges into next year. I agree with you. And I actually did fade Mike Miner myself in that start against the LA Angels, but that had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I thought regression was setting in 
As we remember, that was the day after the unfortunate passing of Tyler Skaggs. I, that was just one of those emotional spots where I said, I just don't think the Angels are losing this game. I think that they're going to have some help from above on that one. And clearly that was the case. But in taking a look at baseball in general, we talked a little bit about the juice ball as well. How have you been adjusting with regards to totals? Because I know that both of us are guys that we like to look at unders a little bit more because typically they have value. Our, I know our good buddy Josh Applebaum came into the year. He was all excited to be betting unders, and unfortunately, it hasn't necessarily panned out that way. How have you really been adjusting? Because I personally have been looking at playing more overs with these double-digit totals because you brought up the stat that over 55% of these totals with 10 or more have been going over. That's been something that I've been adapting to a little bit more. How have you been adjusting? Trying to play first five totals if possible. I think, you know, it could be a, a way around that, focusing on the starting pitchers more and not having to worry about the bullpens. I, I feel like we have a ton of bad bullpens this year. There feels like a lot of the good relievers the are stacked anyone? up on, on very few teams. <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's the Nationals. It it seems like a lot of the, the National League teams. Yeah, no, East in particular, very, actually. Yeah, which is, you know, certainly part of the reason why a lot of those teams are heading to go under their win totals and the Braves are kind of sailing out to a bit of a lead. The Braves have a lot of pitching depth and they've been able to overcome a bunch of injuries. So it's certainly been treacherous to play unders. Uh, it's something I've continued to do and I don't really think I've hit better than, you know, close to a 50% rate on them. I'd have to go back and look at my analytics for the past month or so, but. It's treacherous. I think at this point, the league is starting to even out a little bit other than for there's six teams who are 13 games or more out of the wild card. Everybody else is within seven games. It seems like things are tightening up a little bit. Underdogs are starting to become a little bit more profitable again after just a nightmare May and June. But I, I, other than that and I don't really know if I'm changing my approach at all with regards to unders. And you bring up the fact that the underdogs were a bit better in June than they were in the month of May. That's something I've been looking at as well. And I think the Miami Marlins have helped out with that because unlike a lot of these bad teams, they actually have some decent pitching with guys like Jordan Yamimoto coming up, Zach Gallen. They've been all doing a very good job. They get back Caleb Smith over the weekend as well. You cash a nice ticket there. Is this one of these situations where you're going to continue to play underdogs throughout the summer? Because I know that a lot of these teams are going to be selling. And I think it's going to be really one of those situations where I need to see who gets sold off and to where when I play these underdogs. Because it is really going to change the landscape of how we handicap these games. Certainly. You know, it's team dependent. Teams like the the Blue Jays who are pretty far out of the hunt, they want to win games to get momentum going into next year. They have more kids that are coming up. They're going to be an exciting team to watch late into the season as they continue to and add the Mariners are the roster. Yes, absolutely. You know, the Mariners are in a full rebuild, and I don't really know what's there, especially pitching-wise, to be able to put your money behind. So it's certainly team-dependent. you got to see which teams from relative contention decide to sell off a little bit. Maybe Oakland even. They're only a game and a half out. They won't have Montas available for the playoffs or basically the rest of the season after his suspension. So they do have Hazus Lizardo and uh, AJ Puck coming back at some point. So we have to see, but they go on a losing streak over the next two weeks. Maybe they decide to sell. It's certainly something you got to keep your eye on for how these teams plan to approach the rest of the season. And then with the teams that are a little bit further back, what they're playing for going forward. And I think the biggest intrigue is out there in the National League as we do have Sean Zarrell joining me right here on the podcast as You've got so many teams that have between 41 and 47 wins out there in the National League. 
the Washington Nationals, Philadelphia Phillies, Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers, Arizona Diamondbacks, St. Louis Cardinals, San Diego Padres, Colorado Rockies, Pittsburgh Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco Giants. If that sounds like a lot of teams, that's because it is. All those teams have between 47 and 41 wins. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens these first couple weeks out of the All-Star break because you can't think that all these teams are going to be buyers. And at the same time, you got to think that not all these teams are going to be sellers as well. I think these next two weeks and just gauging that is going to be critical to how you play these teams in August and September. So if you go by run differential, the two best teams in that group that you listed are Arizona and Washington, and then Cincinnati's two runs behind Washington. But Arizona is a plus 53 run differential. Their expected record is 51 and 40. They've certainly been a surprise this year, especially after the Goldschmidt trade and losing Patrick Corbin and AJ Pollock. But, you know, Arizona's hung around. They have a very smart organization. They actually approach things in a little bit of more of an old school way, scouting, as opposed to, you know, directly analytics. So they're an interesting organization top to bottom in terms of the fact that they're doing it a little bit differently than the modern way. I'm really looking at San Diego, though. They, they have a negative 35 run differential. I'm kind of throwing that out a little bit. They're a different team when Fernando Tatis Jr. is in there. He's a legitimate star. I think he's better overall as a player than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Presently and going forward, it's a bit of a hot take maybe to say that, considering how much Vladito is loved. I love Vladito too, but Tatis is just otherworldly with his power and his speed and his defense. I think he's one of the faces of this sport for the next 10 years, if not more with Acuna and Trout. Look at the Padres. Uh, they've been on a tear lately. They, I believe they just took three out of four games from the Dodgers. They're back to 45 and 45. And they have a very aggressive GM who's going to look to continue to add to this team. So I, I'd really look out for the Padres to maybe make a wild card run. I wholeheartedly agree because we saw the San Diego Padres when so many other teams are trying to prevent players from coming up with service time and everything like that. They stuck with Fernando Tatis Jr. If it wasn't for the fact that he spent a little bit of time on the injured list, he would have some absurd numbers right now. He has been terrific. Then you've got Femio Reyes and Hunter Renfro combined for over 50 home runs. Manny Machado got hot late in the first half of the year as well. So I do think that you bring up some very good points there. And I know that we were talking about this a little bit off air as well. We've got the All-Star game going down tonight. Looks like the American League, a very, very slight favorite over the National League. You got a total of eight and a half shaded to the over between minus 115 and minus 120, depending on where you look. This is something I want no part of just because it is an exhibition game. We don't know who's going to play for how long. We certainly know the starting pitchers. They're only going to go for a couple innings. If I had to pick something, my slight lean would be to the National League because you do have Kirby Yates and Josh Hader, two tremendous guys that they know how to just give it their all for one inning. I do think that that's a little bit of an angle I would look at. How do you look at the All-Star game? Just because it is one of those situations where you know that it's going to be fun. Everyone's going to try to get a chance to play and everything like that. But I know you have a little bit of an angle on this one. Yeah, not a huge angle. It's more so just that the National League has been better against the American League over the past two seasons. From 2005 to 2017, AL teams had a winning record every single year. The past two years, NL teams have won over 54% of the games against them. And have been very profitable. It's more so just National League is stronger. I think the level of talent has improved. If you look at the standings, I mean, it's pretty clear that the National League is more competitive and is more parity than the AL. There's five teams in the AL that are, like I said, 14 games or more out of the wild card hunt. So, you know, the White Sox, Angels, Rangers, all those teams are pretty close to 500 or above. And 
staying competitive where in the NL only Miami is really truly out of it, you could say. So I think just top to bottom, the NL has improved recently. With Scherzer being out of the game, you know, that definitely took a hit into their odds. But if you're going to play in an exhibition game and these teams are relatively equal, if not even a lean to the National League, potentially talent-wise, potentially talent-wise, I don't see laying juice as a smart play. Oh, me neither. And on this total of eight and a half, I think that if I had to play it, I would take the under only because I'm laying less juice. But this is one in which you toss a coin because... Obviously, you've got very good pitchers out there. You've got some great hitters as well. I think it depends a lot on the ballpark factors as well, just because the difference between the ball going over the fence by five feet or just barely not getting over the fence could really make the difference on this one. And I just don't have anything. If I had to play this total, I would literally be tossing a coin. So my only thought, which is something I've been looking to do in Brewers games recently when I know Hayter's coming in, when I can guarantee pretty much that he's coming in, is to play a live under. If you see this game pretty tight and late, National League small lead or even American League small lead, and you know for sure that Hater's going to be entering this game, just take the live under. I'm right there with you. That is pretty much the best lean that I could give you because I do like the National League for that thought because when you've got Kirby Yates and Josh Hader, those are the two best closers in the game. The American League has a role as Chapman, but they just don't have those guys that they know how to go one inning and just be dominant in that one inning because when you think of the national, the American League, their second best closer is probably Shane Green, and he's been doing a fine job for the Detroit Tigers, but keep in mind, he pitches for the Detroit Tigers. Even Chapman's velocity has been down a little bit this year. He's been a bit erratic at times. Uh, he blew that save to the Rays last week. So, like I said, it's certainly a thing where I think the NLs may be a little bit better top to bottom, and I'm surprised to find them at plus money. But again, it's an exhibition game, so I wouldn't risk your normal day's worth of units on a single game. Certainly continue to play it flat as you would normally. This is one that you don't want to be going home to your wife and your wife asking, Honey, why did we take out a third mortgage? I bet on the American League in the All-Star game and the under. Nobody wants that. Believe me, I would say try to keep it a little bit more conservative on this one. But Sean, I know that you're doing tremendous work. I would like to close it up with this. Where can the good people find you on social media and elsewhere since you're doing stuff with the Action Network, Resball, so many other outlets. I know that you're actually a practicing lawyer as well. So you do a little bit of everything. Let the people know where they can just get a little bit more of you in general. Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter, as you mentioned, Sean Zarillo, Z is in Zebra, E-R-I-L-L-O. All one word. Download the Action Network app. It's free to download. Track your bets on there. Follow me on the app. Just continue to read what we're putting out about baseball. I think we have the best team in the business from top to bottom for baseball coverage, giving you what the Sharps are playing, you know, my fair odds, weather reports every day, DFS info. So whatever you're interested from a baseball perspective, we've got it covered. Terrific. A big thanks to Sean Terrell for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNRSquared1. And let's make today a successful and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.